Well, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. I think the president is in need of some therapy. (laughs) Electroshock therapy. (laughs) Couch session with Kellyanne Conway. Sporting a bullwhip might help him out a little bit. Uh, you know, this is this is just gone from uh, almost scary. Um, I actually am going to advocate that he resign right now. Yeah, already. Just spare us, spare us any more nonsense. Well, I used the... to be opposed to that on the grounds that I thought Pence would be even worse, but uh, not too sure that Pence is. He's actually a professional liar. I think I heard the other day that Donald Trump uh, averages four lies per day for his first six weeks in office. And this new allegation against Barack Obama is it's pretty outrageous. Uh, I mean, when you have the director of the FBI and the former director of the so-called intelligence agency denying this, and then you still have Trump uh, loyalists questioning the conspiracy. Well, and the chain of evidence, quote-unquote, is so specious. I mean, it's an unsupported claim that gets listed on a right-wing blog, which gets picked up by a platform for factless reporting, which happens to be one of the president's favorite sources for, quote-unquote, news. Yeah, Uh, and it's fake news, right? It's fake news from the ground up. It's I mean, people talk about the echo chamber of media. This is an echo chamber that's really a soundproof room, and all you're hearing is the enraged heartbeat of a clueless and frustrated man. Yeah. And just screaming in the night. And, of course, you know, it comes out of the the problems that emerged uh, in the middle of the week regarding Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions. Uh, A little bit on the hot seat. should probably also resign. Well, that's the thing. Recusing himself is one thing, but if the chief law enforcer of the country has to admit that he perjured himself, I mean, he lied under oath. Yeah. uh, Then where do you go from there? And, of course, you know, it's not only the Al Franken question that has been played uh, frequently in the the media, but uh, Senator Patrick Leahy on the 17th of January, who used to be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, basically wrote him a questionnaire, which you can sort of, uh, I guess, uh, sort of make the equivalency of an interrogatory, um, asked Sessions in a written questionnaire on the 17th of January whether he had been, quote, in contact with anyone connected to any part of the Russian government about the 2016 election, either before or after uh, election day, he said no. Now it's not unusual for senators to meet uh, ambassadors, it, nor is there anything explicitly wrong with it. But when you deny that it happened, and when you claim that you were illegally bugged, uh, I mean, all of the Russian am- ambassadorial staff, uh, their communications are surveilled. Yes, and not just Russia, but. Every other country. 
And, of course, this has been going on in theory for years. You know, I'm, I'm a sort of a big specialist on the Venona documents, and I actually question the validity of some of the Venona documents. We are here, by the way, in the murky world of counterintelligence and spooks, spookdom. Uh, there's a very interesting article, by the way, in the 2nd of March edition of the London Review of Books entitled Eat Your Spinach by Tony Wood, which is, reviews three books on the continuing uh, speculation, are we entering a new Cold War? Well, I like Mad Magazine's version of the Cold War. <laughs> spy versus spy. Yeah. <laughs> Heckle and Jekyll. <laughs> Tit for tat. Uh, the the uh, industri- military-industrial complexes of both societies uh, enjoyed the Cold War, and I think that the Cold War in large part was fake itself. Uh, I think there was clearly a Cold War that started on the f- 12th of April, 1945, when Franklin Roosevelt died, and ended on the, uh, the 5th of March when Joseph Stalin died. Uh, the Americans and Russians actually got along better than people think, if you go back and you read the history. Um, one of the amusing things in this, uh, Tony... Well, countries don't have to be pals to get along. Well, they don't. And, of course, as I would suggest, the uh, the mutual suspicion and all of the propaganda, because it was mainly propaganda... Um, benefited the military-industrial mm-hmm. complexes of both societies. Uh, Donald Trump just ran a campaign of fear, anger, carnage, carnage, paranoia, and all sorts of other um, psychological disorders, and he's beginning to suffer from these disorders himself. But one of the more amusing uh, things in this article, I'm just going to quote this, says, in March 2009, Hillary Clinton, then Secretary of State, presented her Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, with a yellow plastic box featuring a red button marked Reset in English. But the State Department had made a translation error when labeling the button in Russian. Instead of Perezoksgruska, it read Perezoksgruska. It said not reset, but overload. Jokes are hard to translate. And, of course, we keep hearing about the infamous Donald Trump reset. (laughs) I think he's playing around with that button. I want to hear more about the computer server that bizarrely linked Trump Tower to the Russian bank. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's part of it. And I suspect that at the end of the day, we'll probably have to hear something about that. Well, and the notion that the Congress is going to, quote, investigate Trump's latest allegation, I find that bizarre in and of itself. Uh, Why don't they just investigate what actually happened? Now, the the countercharges and the theories and all of the speculation that this is a revival of the Cold War, I think, is a bit of a... uh, overstatement of fact, but clearly Putin is a different character than Gorbachev. And he's even a different character than Khrushchev. Khrushchev was a bit of a clown. But for a couple of years after the passing of Stalin, before Khrushchev really took over in 56, 
The Soviets were run by a kind of incompetent troika. Khrushchev was one of the members of this troika. And he eventually emerged as the leader, and he, of course, was replaced after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. The Russians waited about nine or ten months before they replaced him. But he had been perceived as the big loser of the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, one of those Cold War events that actually was real. But the actual shooting between the Soviets and the Americans were pretty minimal. Uh, there were certainly some people that were killed uh, trying to cross the Berlin Wall. A point that I would like to make here is that the Berlin Wall was put up by Walter Ulbricht, German. <laughs> it wasn't put up by the Soviets. Walter Ulbricht was worried about brain drain. We may have that problem here in no, America. That is people from eastern Germany fleeing. Eastern Germans fleeing to western Germany, right. and they were suffering from brain drain, basically. Um so the role of the Soviet Union in actually erecting the Berlin Wall, Trump is building a wall. He, he's, he's set that all over and over and over. I keep waiting for that wall to be built. Apparently we're going we're gonna to get some bids later this week, and there's well, all sorts of anxious uh, American corporations that want this, uh, this money. Uh, it's beginning to look at this early state uh, as though the moderate, uh, very mild gains that Trump had registered by performing as a sane human being uh, for about 60 or 50 minutes during his speech uh, has evaporated completely. Well, that's the remarkable thing. Nobody can remember his State of the Union speech at this point, and it was not even a week ago. Uh, of course, somebody wrote that speech for him. But um, this whole, where this is going is anybody's guess. Let's remember that the Republicans uh, controlling Congress, conducting investigations, aren't too quick about things. The Benghazi investigation went on for, I think, almost four years. It was revived by Trey Gowdy. Uh, Mike Rogers, by the way, of Michigan, who was chairman of the Intelligence Committee during the first couple of years, wanted to kind of drop the matter because he didn't think there was anything there. It's uh, good to hear that Spicer is using that phrase, there is no there there, or there is a there there. Trump, of course, before uh, erupting in Twitter land, sometime around 5.56 in the morning on Saturday... <laughs> What he was doing all night is anybody's guess. I don't know whether he was eating Lay's potato chips, brownies, or just having one of those uh, flashbacks. It's very strange, but it was of course a sleepover with uh, with Steve Bannon and marshmallows. Yeah, Kellyanne was prob probably there. Uh, she's always good for comic relief, especially when she takes photographs. Well, by the way, on that note, I wanted to comment really quickly on that. There's a story on the bottom of the front page of today's Times about, uh, gee, how unfortunate it is that the criticism of Kellyanne Conway is similar to some of the criticism leveled against Hillary Clinton. Uh, but while normally I would say, you know, the kind of criticism and verbal abuse and even outright hatred that 
Hillary received was definitely downright misogynistic. I don't think that we can characterize all of the uh, harsh words against Kellyanne Conway to misogyny. I, I just, as an Irishman, I want to defend the merits of satire that include mocking the physical appearance. Uh, because ugly behavior merits an ugly response, and if that demands the uglification of the physical form, so be it. Well, especially uh, references to all-night benders. <laughs> well, she looks haggard. She looks drawn. She, there's a number of fine, rich words that are not misogynistic that we can use to describe her freakish uh, appearance and demeanor. Uh, people have no trouble mocking the jowls of Mitch McConnell, and why should they? It's a physical feature that renders him somewhat, you know, goofy-looking and dog-like. Nixon's famous jowls and his five o'clock shadow. These are all suitable and fitting subjects for criticism and satire, and Kellyanne Conway is no different. Well, and she deserves a lot of it because she's been such a fool, uh, to put it mildly. I don't really care about her outrageous outfits. Uh, those are of no yeah, interest you know, to me. Making fun of people's clothes, is that doesn't really apply here in the same Whatever. Sense, I mean, sense. you know, yeah. she shops at TJ Maxx. Maybe. I'm sure she wears some of Ivanka's fine products. <laughs> I don't, don't know where, where she shops. I don't really care. The, um, the photos comparing her, say, to the lead singer of uh, Hanoi Rocks, I think are... Perfectly, perfectly fine and not misogynistic at all. Yeah. And of course, this this angry tweet on Saturday morning was part of Donald Trump's uh, weekend. Or uh, Basically, he was on a three day bender of rage. Indeed. Um, Nancy Pelosi, of course, uh, immediately called for Jeff Sessions to resign. Um, and then eventually so did Charles Schumer. So then what did Trump do? He decided to. Google around. I mean, this guy's obsessed with the news, and I think that's a uh, troubling, a troubling. Uh, well, he's up early... all night watching Fox and looking at Breitbart. Yeah, his 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 own ratings. No you wonder know. he's enraged and confused. And of course, there was a some sort of uh, swipe at Arnold Schwarzenegger amidst the Saturday morning tweeter feed, Twitter feed, whatever. Um, he's, yeah, he, there, there's something wrong there. I mean, at least Richard Nixon hired people to look at the news for him. And Nixon, of course, was obsessed with, how was the speech, Bob? What's the feedback? There, there, there is that, uh, component of paranoia that, that Trump obviously has that's very similar to Richard Nixon. And we're looking at... You know, at this point, we're looking at Leakgate. I mean, this has almost turned into a into a a show of well, the, who can leak the most. The, then the more noise he makes, the less likely the story is to go away. I mean, the louder you cry wolf or claim that there is no wolf, the more suspicious it all becomes. I mean, the the language of the the tweet where he uh, berates. Obama as a, quote, bad, parentheses, sick guy. Where does that come from? Well, indeed. And, and, and to say this is like Nixon and Watergate. Well, no, sir. No. It isn't really at all uh, anything like Watergate. Well, and, and let's remember that he is the one that openly encouraged the Russians for more 
emails from Hillary Clinton. Of course, it's it's somewhat ridiculous to claim that the uh, Russians swung the election for Trump. Uh, that's a bit of a sweeping theory, but certainly the coverage of the election, the, the, the way the election was covered down the last three months of the uh, the contest, uh, it's quite clear uh, that this had an influence on the outcome. Measuring that is impossible. Uh, people vote for all sorts of reasons. So no political scientist is going to be able to come up with a causation proof that would uh, maybe pass the scrutiny of a mathematical proof or a theorem or whatever. Well, especially when you put it in the context of the many, many years of overt Republican attempts to suppress the vote in certain communities, specifically student and minority communities. Yeah, and that's widespread. The refusal to allow uh, recounts during the last election, even when it was clear that in Michigan, for example— 75,000 ballots had blanks for president or were registered as blanks. Those need to be verified. They weren't allowed to be verified. Yeah, and Michigan, by the way, suffered from an unfortunate recount law that nobody knew anything about. Um, 11,000 votes was the difference uh, in the campaign in Michigan and 75,000 unreadable ballots. Yeah, and and just for the historical record, uh, Michigan had not had a statewide recount since the 1950s. Nobody voting, really, other than maybe a few thousand people, can even remember a statewide recount in the state of Michigan. But Michigan's recount law was based on um, 19th century law that's Mm -hmm. still on the books. Uh, This was why the... There really wasn't a recount in Michigan. And we won't see any improvement in that, likely, with the Republican-controlled legislature in the state house of Michigan. No, they're too busy screwing up their own uh, caucus. They can't figure out whether they want to cut taxes or <laughs> fix the roads or, or do whatever they're fix trying the to roads? do. Wait, wait a minute. They, they fix roads in Michigan every it's once It's incredible in how, uh, yeah, they've been running Michigan for the state legislature anyway for almost 25 years now, and one can see the results in the educational performance of uh, Michigan mm. students. Michigan has gone from kind of the the 20s, a little bit above average, to way below average. We're, we're down in the Confederacy of Dunces territory, I'm afraid. <laughs> and luckily, Betsy DeVos can uh, rescue America uh, with her voucher program. I noticed that Trump went down to a school in Florida with Ivanka in tow (laughs) with Betsy DeVos to sell the voucher program. (laughs) It's unbelievable. I mean, 90 percent of uh, students in America go to public schools. Schools are funded in most states by property taxes and funding for schools, of course, is well known to be uh, disparate. In some states, it's four or five to one for some schools. And certainly, a more wealthy community should be allowed to spend more money on schools. But fix the public schools. Why, why, why do you need vouchers? And one of the main reasons that both uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski voted against Betsy DeVos, they're from rural states. These rural states don't have 
options on school choice. I, I mean, my mother grew up in a in a one room schoolhouse in Nevada that had like twenty students total for all you know K through twelve grades. So there was one teacher that had to teach many different students at different levels, almost like independent study. Uh, little rural towns don't have the resources to create alternative schools when the public schools are either not funded properly. We saw this recently here locally, by the way, when Whitmore Lake uh, refused to yep, that's right. raise taxes to pay uh, to keep their schools open, and they seem to have a sufficient population to have their own public schools. They tried to merge with Ann Arbor. <laughs> Ann Arbor didn't want to have anything to do with it. It would have entailed all sorts of incredible additional expenses uh, regarding, you know, transporting children to school. Uh, local schools should be um, allowed to flourish and efforts should be made to improve them at every turn, in my opinion. And Betsy DeVos's agenda remains a little murky. Well, the voucher program, in in the best of scenarios, uh, is basically just an incentive for bogus educators. It's really about being an incentive for small business people, entrepreneurs. Yeah. Start a school, get some public funds. Uh, states where there are a lot of uh, rural communities, they're just that's not going to happen there. So again, here are the red states that are going to be hit in the face one more time by what they thought they voted for. Thought they voted for, and indeed, you know, you can have maybe more charter schools in a, in a giant school district like Chicago or, or or New York City, but it's simply not practical in for Alaska, or some rural Montana, area, like yeah. In the UP, like Way or something. Right. I mean, let's remember that the uh, first congressional district in in Michigan is bigger than I think twenty five states in the union in terms of its area. Mm-hmm. So um, Betsy DeVos's agenda going forward on this school voucher stuff is 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 really nonsense. And uh, the, the the profound she's the one that needs the education. Right. <laughs> she's the one that needs to go back to remedial. Uh, uh, learning. And Trump just might be the bad, sick guy. Well, we know he's bad and sick. We know it from the uh, Hollywood video. Uh, you know, what is... You know, it, it's, 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 it, it makes me speechless for him to actually accuse Obama of this. Uh, it's well established that the president of the United States cannot order wiretapping like this. Uh Wiretapping has to go through courts. End of story. Um, Did it go through courts? Well, not according to James Clapper or James Comey. Um, And, of course, this is part of the the charade that were the false equivalency Mm -hmm. here. Uh, The Republicans that were on the talk shows yesterday, uh, I don't think even knew what to say themselves. But it's rather troubling that the House chairman of the Intelligence Committee, a guy by the name of Nunez, (laughs) Nanu Nanu, dude, he's part of the Trump transition team, and he 
promised America that the House Intelligence Committee would be investigating the Trump allegations, uh, which I find kind of remarkable. Don't you guys have enough on your smorgasbord plate already? (laughs) Investigating all of these strange connections to Russian ambassadors, operatives, spooks. Bank computers. Bank computers. And, of course, uh, Donald Trump has yet to release any of his financial information. Well, and the one strategy that the the Democrats do have at the moment is to try and float uh, measures uh, to try and force Republicans' hands to openly vote against forcing or compelling or requesting strongly and politely that the president release his tax forms. Sure. So that come the midterm elections, there's all the evidence you know. Okay, these guys were covering for him. It's a bit of a gamble that it all gets sorted out by then, but uh, it seems like a sound strategy. Well, and the thing is, is that Trump has. Uh, it's quite obvious that the Trump organization uh, has uh, connections to some eighteen to twenty foreign countries, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, there's been a re jiggered uh, travel ban list. Oh, yeah. Iraq is off the list. Iraq is off the list. It, I think Trump somehow forgot that we still have troops in Iraq, that there's a counteroffensive going on in Mosul, maybe. I, I don't know what that's all about. Somebody had to, like, slap him up about the head and shoulders. We're still there, man. We're, yeah. like, actively involved in training those guys and stuff. Meanwhile, Trump, on is, our side. Trump is suddenly bombing Yemen and is trying to start a new war for America. Look, we've we've been firing into Yemen with drones, no doubt about that, over the last uh, several years. But this notion that al-Qaeda in, in, in the, quote, southern peninsula or whatever they're calling it, the Arabian Peninsula, I believe, is the new terminology for this, that al-Qaeda has these operatives up in the mountains somewhere. <laughs> In Yemen, Yemen is a country on the verge of famine. It's, it has a civil war going on. Um, it's going to be a, a humanitarian disaster uh, within the next year or two. Um, there's already a disaster in the Sudan going on. I mean, let's remember that the Sudan did split mm-hmm. a couple of years ago into uh, um, Sudan and, quote, South Sudan. But there are civil wars raging in most of these countries and there's famine all around it. And the notion that Trump keeps selling to the American public that these these are threats to America is it's just not credible. It's 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 well continued destabilization of the region is the real threat. Sure. And of course, one of the ironies of this uh appeasement of Putin um and I use that word uh factually Donald Trump has been appeasing Putin for reasons that remain unexplained. But let's remember that it was it was Russia's involvement in Syria. The Russians do not fight war the way the West does. Human life is irrelevant. Uh, the indiscriminate bombing of uh, towns, villages, whatever, to support Assad in Syria has led to the refugee crisis in Europe. And the notion that Merkel is allowing refugees into her country is just an outright lie. Uh, the refugees have been flowing into Europe for five or six years now, since the Arab Spring started, since these civil wars started, these uprisings. 
Assad, by the way, is, is frankly the only one standing. And he's barely standing. But these are humanitarian disasters. I'd like to remind President Trump, there's 65 million refugees last year, according to the U.N. The, the, this is occurring all over the globe. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's rather troubling when the president asks for an increase of defense spending of $54 billion to, quote, start winning wars again. I don't know what that means. And that's as troubling as anything in these first six weeks of Donald Trump's presidency, uh, amongst all the other mumbo-jumbo. It's just more hot air and no-nothingism, because there is no strategy in place. I mean, even the State Department is a ghost ship. Well, uh, <laughs> Rex Tillerson is somewhere. Somewhere. But he doesn't have a, a, a crew. He's on an oil tanker. <laughs> Trying to sort out who his next in command will be. And this, of course, is another part of the Trump disaster. He's got um, very few people confirmed. He has very few friends left. Many people are going, I don't know if I want to join the Trump administration. This is beginning to look like a loser. Big loser. <laughs> and, of course, it's, you know, it's interesting that... Tillerson's pick for Assistant Secretary of State, just to throw this in in our last couple of minutes here, was Elliot Abrams, of all people. Yeah, right. Wonderful. He was vetoed by who? Flynn and Bannon. My goodness. The best and the brightest. Wasn't right-wing enough for him. <laughs> prevail again. And by Trump himself, of course. It right. emerged that Elliot Abrams... Had said unfavorable things. Unfavorable things. And it seems that Trump's biggest criteria at the moment is loyalty. Loyalty, my friend. Well, uh, Donald Trump, uh, I think, has, as one uh, editorial pointed out, won the Kremlin Employee of the Month. <laughs> that comes with a free side of onion rings, by the and way. And some borscht and a little caviar and... Uh, Maybe a little pack rub by the ambassador from Russia. He looks like a jolly fellow. He looks a little bit like the walrus. He is a big, ugly man. Oh, I'm feeling a lot of tension in the back uh, muscles here. That's right. <laughs> Moose told me to rub low. Uh, 